Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Today's episode is going to be an honest reflection of the 2020 to 2021 school year, which we believe will be a school year that goes down in infamy. This year was unlike any school year educators have ever experienced, so we're going to break down how our year went, share our challenges, our highlights, and our biggest takeaways as the school year comes to a close. But first, let's hear a time-sucking hurdle from Natalie. Fun fact, Bridget. I bet you didn't know this about me. Natalie is what my dad wanted to name me. So I almost was a Natalie. Yep. I was going to be a Melissa. Mm. And then my boy name was going to be Steven. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting close and personal today, folks. All right. So Natalie says her TSH is her mental health in the morning. She has an alarm for 5 a.m. And yet at this point in the year, actually getting out of bed is very difficult because I just want to keep sleeping. I need a 5 a.m. morning routine like Michelle. Listen, I definitely feel like the last month of school is more slow moving. And I'm putting slow in air quotes here. But I feel like I drag my feet in the morning and I have way less energy to be able to get things done. But here's the thing. We don't have to be on all the time. I feel like this reminds me of that movie Bride Wars with Kate Hudson and Anne Hathaway. I love it. It's one of my favorites. And there's this like moment where Kate is like finally saying, I'm finally like awake. And I realized that I don't always have to be on. I'm just having a, like, a, Kate, a Kate Hudson moment here. But give yourself some grace and know that it's your body's way of saying to take things slow. Yeah. And let me clarify, um, my 5 a.m. morning routine (laughs) lasted for one month and it was the shortest month of the year. It was the month of February. So for those of you that don't know, last year, 2020, I did these monthly challenges. So I started by giving up caffeine. Was that my first one? I I don't really know. No, caffeine was in March. Caffeine was in March because it was right when the pandemic hit. Oh, it was leaving on at four o'clock. Yes. Yes, it was. So January was leaving school every day at the end of my contract hours. February was waking up at 5 a.m. because y'all know that's a struggle for me. I'm not a morning person. March was no caffeine. And then at that point, like quarantine just took over my life and I let it go and that's okay. But for that month of February, I was waking up at 5 a.m. and I did stick to it weekdays, weekends, every day of the month I woke up at 5 a.m. However, as soon as that month was over, I went back to sleeping in because I am just not a morning person. And I thought that forcing myself to get up early would make me more of a morning person. And it did for a time period, but ultimately I wasn't happy, you know. I was a big grump bucket. Um, But I will say I love a good morning routine. Mine is very simple. I literally wake up. I go into the bathroom, do my business, go downstairs, turn on the coffee maker. I'm usually picking out a podcast while it's warming up. I go ahead and start the coffee to be making and brewing and whatnot. I go upstairs. I get changed. Lately, I'm not doing my hair and makeup. So, you know, that doesn't take long. I come back downstairs. I pack my lunch. I finish up. I usually brew two things of coffee, one for Billy and one for me. I'm trying to be a good wife. Sweet. (laughs) And then I grab my stuff and go out of the door. Um, But it is completely expected at this point of the year that you would feel extra tired and unmotivated because you have been extending yourself a lot. And I think at this point, we all are just ready for a break. We all need summer vacation desperately. Yeah, definitely. I think we all need just a little feeling of, I just want a little bit of relaxation. Let's be honest, last summer was not relaxing. Um, And I definitely think this summer is hopefully going to be that for everyone. So before we jump into our reflections of this school year, we need to kind of break down for for everyone listening, just what we kind of started with for the year. Because Michelle and I have very, very, very different experiences of the year. Um, So I'm going to go first. And for me, we started back full in person. Like we were, we had options for families to decide, do you want to go back in person or would you like to be virtual? 
Um, a lot of our families did decide that they want to have their kids come back in person. Um, I think we did end up starting at about a week later, um, and it was mainly because the board members were wanting to give teachers just a little bit of extra time um, because there was a bunch of things kind of going on, COVID rates, all of that. And so they wanted to give us just one more week to get everything prepped and ready to go. So we started back full in person about a week later. And um, in the past like three years, I have been a MAC team teacher. And so a MAC team teacher is a multi-age classroom. And so I would have a mixture of fourth through sixth grade students in my class. But this year, because of COVID, and we wanted to try to limit as much movement as possible, uh, I only taught fifth graders. So we had kind of our MAC team, like it was to us a still a MAC team, but our kids did not move at all. And I only taught fifth grade. Um, and we had about 20 to 23 kids in each of our classes all year long. So it would fluctuate. Like I think the, the smallest number of kids that I had at one time was probably 18 kids. Um, so I've, I fluctuated all year. Um, and we had desks. So our classrooms really changed in that sense where I had more flexible seating. We had desks in rows, absolutely no movement. And this included lunch and specials were all held in our classrooms. Um, and we had a few times in the year when we had to go remote, um, whether it was because we had COVID cases that were really high or if it was because we had um, snow days. So we had a few of those occasions Fun fact, last week was one of those occasions where COVID cases got a little bit too high in our in our district, so we closed down for three days, but I, I was kind of hoping, knocking on wood, that we were going to be done, but it is what it is. So we're getting closer towards the end of the year, so let's do it, guys. <laughs> now, my experience is literally like the opposite of this. <laughs> So unlike Bridget, starting back in person, we started virtual. And from my memory, the past year is literally a blur at this point. My district announced that the entire district would be virtual late July. So we had a little bit of headway, like we knew it was coming. And at that time, they stated we would be virtual through the end of the first semester. So the first half of the year, which for us would be the end of January. And we had the option to teach from home or from school. Initially, I was kind of doing an every other day situation. So I would teach from home on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I would teach from school on Tuesday, Thursday. Eventually, it got to the point where it's like, no, honestly, I really like my setup at home. I have my iMac and my MacBook, and I even have a TV I can use as another screen, and I really like my setup. So I was just teaching from home. And then suddenly in November, uh, even though they had said we would be virtual until the end of January, the board started voting on having students come back early. And there was a period of several weeks where literally day by day it was like, well, are we going to start back in person in a week from now? And it kept getting extended. And they're like, no, we'll wait a little bit longer. At first it was, we're going to wait till after Thanksgiving. Now we're going to wait till after Christmas. Okay. Now we're going to wait until mid-January. Now the end, like it just kept, it was a very stressful time because we didn't have anything solidified. And personally, from a teacher perspective, it's very frustrating. And I think we're all good at adapting because we've been forced to, but it's frustrating when you're told one thing is going to happen. And then it's like, oh, just kidding. That's actually not the case. Um, So teachers started back in February, where we no longer had the option to teach from home. We were still teaching virtually, but we had to teach virtually from school. And then our students, some of them started back in March. So families were all given the option to opt in for hybrid, where students would come two days a week, or remain virtual, where they would be virtual all of the five days throughout the week. So we had a hybrid format with cohorts. So basically we had a Monday, Tuesday cohort of students and then a Thursday, Friday cohort. And Wednesdays we were still teaching from home so that we could clean the buildings and all of that fun stuff. And when I say hybrid, that means I'm teaching kids in person and I'm teaching kids virtually at the same time. So like concurrent teaching. So Again, parents had this survey like every other week. I felt like they had the opportunity to opt in. So things were always changing. So initially, I started with 12 students on Mondays and Tuesdays with my cohort. It was about half my class. 
Then I had another student who wanted to opt in. And even though we were supposed to only have 12, they bumped me up to 13. And then at the beginning of May, I had another cohort of four students start on Thursday, Friday. And currently that is still where I'm at. 13 students on Monday, Tuesday, four students on Thursday, Friday. Um, which is interesting because even though having four kids in my room is really nice, it's also a lot more students that are virtual. So it, it doesn't necessarily make it easier. Um, but I am the only fourth grade teacher that has two cohorts and we're going to, we're going to come back to that. So Bridget, let's go back to like initial feelings. So at the very beginning of the year, we're finding out what the year is going to look like. How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Man, um, I've got to be totally honest. I was nervous. I didn't want to teach in a mask. Um, I feel like I'm already a heavy breather. Gosh, that's TMI, right? <laughs> okay, Bridget. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. I feel like I'm already a heavy breather as it is. And I I didn't want to teach in a mask. I, I'm just going to be honest. I feel like I was one of those kids that's like, you know, stomping their feet and like throwing a hissy fit in the middle of a store. Um, and I was really worried about how the school year was going to go. Um, I have to be kind of real with you guys. I, the older I feel like I'm getting and after having kids, the more I worry. I'm turning into my mother. <laughs> That's basically what's happening. Um, but I realized that my feelings, the feelings that I was I was experiencing at the very beginning of the year was because of the unknown. Um, I don't like to come into something that I'm not used to. I have a set way of teaching. I had a set way for what I wanted the year to start way to start like um, and not knowing what it was going to be like. Not that unexpected piece was really scary. Um, and so I remember spending a lot a lot of time prepping for what could happen. I felt like I was playing the what if monster. But what if this happens? Then I need to be prepared. But then what if this happens? Like, how do I prepare for that? Um, and on my very first day, I was really, really excited to see my kids. I have to be honest. Like, I was... I was so happy to see their little faces because these were my fourth graders from last year. So I still got to keep that same cohort of kiddos. Um, and But during my lunch break, I went outside and I just cried. I, I hated it. I mean, I felt like every bit of it just sucked. I felt like I was not being a good teacher. I couldn't do the things that I normally would do. So it's like getting them to stand up and move around and, and do those simple things that we do as teachers to help engage our kids to build community. I couldn't do it. And I was struggling to hear my kids because fun fact about me also is that I can't hear out of one of my ears got a really bad infection and now I can't hear out of it. So I was struggling to hear my students. And overall, I just felt like it was all wrong. I felt like I wasn't doing my job as a teacher. I felt like the whole situation, like this just sucks. Um, and I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And once again, I feel like we were in such opposite boats because Bridget had a very rough beginning of the year because of all the uncertainty and, and mm -hmm. the adjustments and things like that. Whereas for me, I had a very kind of easy start to the year. I was relieved that we would at least have some consistency at the beginning. At this time, I knew, hey, we're going to be virtual until the end of January. Obviously, that would go on to change. But at the time, I felt like I was in a place where I could get into a routine. And then when we had to make the transition in the spring, I think I had a much more difficult time, you know, in the middle right. to late part of the school year, whereas for Bridget, it was all at the beginning. Um, but let's go back real quick, Bridget, to the whole wearing a mask thing, because it's interesting. And obviously, if you're listening to this and you are a teacher and you've had to teach in a mask, I think you're going to mm -hmm. get it. If you haven't been in that situation, it's a little bit different, you know, I, I have no problem wearing a mask, um, but I will say teaching in a mask is very difficult because you are mm -hmm. doing so much talking and talking while wearing the mask and having to try to project your voice is very exhausting. Um, it's different than like I wear a mask when I work out and honestly, it's not a problem. It's the talking in the mask that yeah. is very draining. Um, no, and I so. I just, I just want to kind of put that out there. It's not that like we don't want to wear a mask. It's just that it's very draining. And 
you know, Billy sometimes at work will have to put on a mask, but I'm like, he's staying in an office. He's not like, he's not having to talk the whole right. time. Like teaching in a mask is, is very yeah. difficult. And I feel like another really TMI thing about me, not only am I a heavy breather, but I also feel as though I have very hot breath. <laughs> when I talk. So let me tell you guys, it was getting nasty up and underneath that mask. So it would have to be where I was changing my mask at multiple points during the day or during my breaks, I would go out and, you know, try to take it off and sit in my car for a little bit just to get some form of a relief, which I'm going to get into a little bit more in, in just a second. So Yeah. And I know personally, I started by wearing like the fabric masks and it just wasn't working. I Mm -hmm. had to project my voice a lot more. They, they just, they were not working. So I ended up switching. They suck in more when you're talking. Do you know what I mean? You feel like your, your lips are like constantly touching the fabric. Like you can feel it. Yep. So I ended up switching to some disposable masks and that's really helpful. But I will say originally I only had to wear masks on Mondays and Tuesdays because then the rest of the week Mm -hmm. I didn't have students in my classroom. So I didn't have to wear a mask in my classroom. Having this other cohort of students and having to wear a mask also on Thursday and Friday has been hard. And honestly, one of the things that broke my heart the most is my block two students, I have been teaching them virtually the entire year because even though we had students in the building and some of my block two students were in another teacher's classroom, we, because of, you know, the numbers and the number of people you can come in contact with, I had to just still teach them through a computer. I could not go to their classroom to teach them. So I have been wearing a mask and when my students realized, oh, you're getting another group of students on Thursday, Friday, that means you're going to have to wear a mask to teach us virtually on Thursday and Friday. It's hard. And I even had a girl, she was like, yeah, like I'm happy you're getting more students, but I, you know, like I'm sad you're going to have to wear a mask on Thursday and Fridays. And that Aww, like broke my heart. Yeah. That is super sweet. So I feel like that's a perfect uh, transition into <clears throat> our challenges. So we're yeah. each going to share two challenges. Obviously, there were many more, but I think we're each just going to kind of highlight two of the biggest things we struggled with. Yeah, I I definitely agree that there were way more. And the mask is probably one of them, but it's not one of the biggest challenges that I feel like I have. Um, So thinking about one of my biggest challenges this year, it's going to have to be not having a space for me. I, (laughs) this was really, really hard for me um, because there is such little movement that's happening in our school, like the classroom, lunch, special, everything is taking place there inside of the classroom. I had to find places to go during my break. So my lunch break, I had to go somewhere else. And if I'm going somewhere else, I'm around other teachers. And therefore, like, we have to make sure we're spaced out enough to be able to take our masks off to be able to eat. Um, during my specials, I would have to go and find other places. And here's the thing, guys. I'm an introvert. <laughs> I, As much as I love collaborating and talking with other teachers, it is so hard for me to feel re-energized. I thrive when I have a space to reflect and just be alone. <laughs> And I wasn't able to do that. So um, it was really, really hard. And it still is. Like, it's probably one of the biggest things that I whine about. I thought I was going to whine a lot more about my mask. But to be honest, I'm whining a lot more about not having a space of my own. I know that sounds terrible. Please don't judge me. But it's the truth. I mean, we said we were going to be honest in this in this reflection, but I whine so much about not being able to just be alone. Um, and currently we are still doing PSSAs. And so our PSSA schedule has really changed. And so we would have like a three hour block. And then I find that I have my special time by myself, but our specials cut down from 40 minutes to 20 minutes. Well, this past week we had Um, health and my health teacher took the kids outside. Guys, you have no idea how much I was looking forward to having 20 minutes in my classroom by myself. And I even told my team teachers, I was like, girls, as much as I love you, I miss having my classroom to myself. Because normally when we all had the same schedule and we 
all three of us would have the same special, we would rotate classrooms. It would be every week we would say, okay, who's who's going to be, you know, have PE or health this week? And then we would go to that person's classroom so that we're not having to go to the library or we're not having to go to the teacher's lounge or something to that extent. Like we would just kind of share our space, but we would have to keep our masks on. And this past week I felt really, really spoiled just being in my classroom and taking my mask off for 20 minutes. It was fantastic. Um, so I had to have lunch in the library with like four to six other teachers. You space yourself out. Um, and then specials every day would end up changing. Um, so like I mentioned, we would go either go to one of our team teachers rooms, or we would have to go to the library or, um, just find another spot in the, in the school. It was always, it's really hard. So let me clarify your specials, your, the teacher would come to your classroom? Yes. Okay. So we have more movement. Okay. That's very different than how we've been doing it. Our students have still been attending. We call it cultural arts, but it's right. specials. It's the same thing. We have been attending those virtually. So my students are in my classroom literally all day, except for when they go out to recess. And they are attending you know, music, art, media, PE, mm-hmm. all of that through their Chromebook. And so I... I'm responsible for them during that time. I have to stay in the room with them, That's which is crazy. very interesting watching them do PE virtually, like <laughs> in a classroom. It is very entertaining. Um, it's just, it's interesting to see how different yeah. schools have been and doing so it. And so the kids don't move. The teachers can move in my building. So like if you are a departmentalized uh, team, so I'm not because my team is a Mac team. We teach all subjects. I just kind of stay with my cohort all day long. But if you're departmentalized at my school, um, the math and reading teacher would switch. So you would see them in the halls, like walking past one another as they go to the next classroom. See, for us, now the cultural arts teachers could not come into the rooms because they would be visiting like, you know, 10 to 12 different classes throughout the day. And then they're coming in contact with too many kids. Right. Um, But the reason, because we are departmentalized and in theory, like it would be okay for me to be in contact with two different cohorts of students. The problem is because we have some classes that are advanced and some that are what we call our core curriculum classes. The students do not all perfectly translate over. So like my team teacher that has most of my block two math students, there's one or two students in that class that have a different math teacher in the afternoon. So yeah, so I could not go to her room because not all of the kids are in my block two class. And obviously like I can't go in and teach just some of them. Like it has to be an all or nothing. Yeah. So you guys as like a fourth, like a fourth grade, like you are true, like a team. So essentially you guys might share kids. Yeah. All all of you as teachers might share kids in a sense. A a lot of times. um, So for example, like you kind of have a buddy teacher who you share most of your kids with. Mm -hmm. But for example, there may be a kid who's advanced reading, but not advanced math. And it will kind of like shift where they're placed. Um, but during a typical year when it's time to switch, literally the kids all go out in the hall and just like go to their different classes. (laughs) Like it's a hot mess. Um, all right. So am I good to move into my challenge? Yeah, I want to know what your challenge is. Okay. So I think my number one challenge this year has been dealing with the constant change. I told Mm -hmm. y'all I was going to come back to this. I am a person that loves routine. I love to eat the same breakfast every day. I love to eat the same lunch every day. I love to, like, I when I go to the grocery store, I literally walk the aisles in the exact same way. I love routine. And change is something that causes me a lot of anxiety. Again, I think it's that unknown, right, right, that Bridget talked about. Like, I, I like to know what to expect. And so change is hard for me. The beginning of the year was fine because we had a routine and we stuck to it. And honestly, I thought things were going very well and I, I was happy with things. The second half of the year has been extremely stressful for me because things were constantly changing. Um, when it comes to the teachers, you know, it became this question of, well, who's teaching from home? Who's teaching from the building? Because some teachers, even though we all had to go back to the building, some teachers got accommodations. Um, Mm -hmm. other teachers got partial accommodations. So they would actually come two days a week and teach with kids and then be home the other days. 
Then it was the idea of, okay, which kids are coming back hybrid? And that was something that constantly changed. So you would have a kid who was coming, you know, hybrid and then maybe went back to virtual or a kid that was virtual and then started coming hybrid. We had this whole ordeal of figuring out, well, are the kids, you know, first of all, the departmentalization thing, we realized, okay, they're going to have to do their class virtually. But then based on the numbers in the classes. So like if I was maxed out on Monday, Tuesday, but another teacher had an opening for a hybrid student, that student may have to change teachers. And so we had kids that were middle of the year being put with a whole new teacher, which was very, very difficult. Schedule changes. Oh my goodness. I've always been someone that would memorize the schedule from the get-go and never needed to look at anything. Like I just knew the schedule. Our schedule has changed at least five or six times down to like even our start and end times for the day. Like even those have not been consistent. We had different start and end times when we were virtual compared to when we were hybrid. And and they even, added time, right? Yes. Yes. So when we went hybrid, like we lost planning time. Um, we had more like more team or not team, more time teaching like the kids because I mean, our kids are getting the same amount of instruction, like time-wise, that they used to. Um, Like things are not modified in any way anymore, and so that that has been super stressful. Like the schedule changing, and then of course the parents are all confused, and they're reaching out to us, and I'm like, I'm just as confused as you are. New students starting like in the middle of the year, that of course has been stressful, and then these addition of cohorts. So I mentioned that I'm the only teacher on my team currently that has two cohorts. So I have a Monday, Tuesday, and a Thursday, Friday. The rest of my team all just has a Monday, Tuesday cohort. And while I'm excited to be able to see more of my students in person, it is very frustrating because the entire process now is so inequitable. Meaning on Thursdays and Fridays, when my students start arriving at 9.05, I have to be at my door greeting them Whereas my team teachers, their virtual students don't log on until 925. So they get 20 extra minutes then. During cultural arts, their students log off and they're not in their classroom. So they get that time to themselves for planning. I don't have that because I'm in my room monitoring my students. Mm -hmm. And then the end of the day, like dismissal, I have to take my kids out for dismissal. Whereas my team teachers, they log off and they're done. So there's another 20 minutes that they have that I don't have. And that's just, it's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things, but it is very frustrating. It's frustrating when you're the only one having to deal with that. Um, so I just feel like every week was something new and it was stressing me out. And I kept telling myself like, all right, well, next week is going to get better. I'm going to get used to it. And then something else would change. And it's been this constant like breaking of routine, which does not make me happy. Yeah, no, I don't blame you at all on that. Okay, so looking at um, the second challenge is for me is going to have to be how I restructured my teaching. Um, I really love collaboration, groups, movement. This is basically the foundation for how I provide instruction to my kids. Um, And this year was not allowed. (laughs) So we spend about 98% of our day in our desks. Um, The other 2% is going to be outside or at the bathroom um, during our schedule times. And so the kids, when they're at their desks in the classroom and I'm providing instruction, are not allowed to turn around. This means that everyone is faced forward at all times. I cannot restructure the desks. I cannot move them. Um, They cannot be, you know, spaced where the desks are like touching how we would normally like group kids. I can't do that. Um, Everybody has to be faced forward. I have to keep track of names and, you know, who's been sitting where for what period of time so that if we have a case of COVID, then we have to go back and... um, figure out like, okay, who was within six feet of this child and who's going to have to quarantine. So everyone at all times were face forward. And we were also asked to limit how um, how much paper we were using, aka don't use paper at all. <laughs> that was basically my interpretation of that. Um, they were just like, don't, you don't want to touch it and then have kids touch it and then you touch it again. And I'm like, okay, so basically you're saying do everything using our iPads and not use paper. Um, I taught whole group, but 
it was really hard for me to provide instruction that was meeting the needs for all of my students. So I felt it was really challenging to say, okay, I'm going to do my whole group lesson. And then after my whole group lesson, I can't pull small groups. Kids were not allowed to get up and walk around my room. Um, So it's not like I could say, okay, you, 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 let's come over here to my group, my table, and let me reteach it. I wasn't allowed to do that. Um, So making sure that kids were receiving the instruction and that they were understanding what was happening was challenging because I was meeting with individual kids and then I would have to wipe everything down and, you know, give it that appropriate amount of wait time before I had another kid come and sit there. So that part was just really hard. And I felt like I was really struggling because a lot of the times I felt it was boring Um, there was just no way for me to build engagement. I couldn't have a ball. So like, let's do this as an example. You know how you have a ball, maybe you toss the ball and you share information. Super easy, fun way to engage kids. I couldn't do that because kids were touching the same ball. Um, So I wasn't allowed to have them touch anything together. Everybody had to have their own separate supplies. And then there were times where I tried to get everyone their own individual supplies. But let's just be honest, that costs a lot a lot of money. It's a lot easier to buy six of something versus 20 something of an item. Um, So that was challenging for it. Um, And I have like a range of kids from gifted to learning support to, you know, EL. um, And I just felt like the information that I was giving, it was like, how do I kind of make it fit to where everybody is you know, receiving the instruction that they need without making this overly boring. Because I have my gifted kids who are like, I got this, I'm ready to go. But it's like, I can't, I can't move you. Like, I, I really don't have anything else that I can do with you other than you just sitting here and continuing to do the practice. Or I can give you some extra work and just let you get started without me. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I just felt like it was hard to be to, to be a good teacher this year. So I was always harping on myself like, gosh, I can't believe how, how bad that lesson was. It just really sucked. Like you can't make things even more fun. Like I just feel like it's a very boring year for me. Um, so in all honesty, like I think when I sit back and I reflect on the year overall, I feel like I failed my kids. I mean, I know that I love them. I know that they know that I love them. I know that they, I did the best that I could, um, but I wasn't giving them what they really deserved in the long run. Um, And that was really, really challenging for me. Yeah, I think that's something that all teachers have struggled with this year. And I think it's something that as teachers, we internalize a lot of things especially when they're out of our control, which, mm-hmm. you know, makes us feel inadequate when in reality, it's like, look at what we did this year. We literally shifted education with a moment's notice, which is should be highly impressive. And it should make teachers feel amazing that they were able to adapt and be flexible. And honestly, that's a huge message that we sent to our students, even if instruction wasn't perfect, like we showed them, look at what I can do. Look at how I can problem solve. I mean, all of these like actual skills that we're trying to teach them were put to the test this year. Yeah. And so I think it's like just being able to remind ourselves of that. And yeah, but I understand like feeling like that. And I think that's something a lot of teachers can, can relate to. Absolutely. Um, So speaking of adaptations, (laughs) my second challenge was essentially having to remake every single lesson and not being able to use what I had already created because we were teaching virtual for the first half of the year. And then even within hybrid, because I still had students that I was teaching virtual at the same time, my lessons had to stay virtual. There was no choice Mm -hmm. there. So I've been using Nearpod, which honestly I love, and it has made it a lot easier for me. But having to take every lesson that I had already created in the past and remake it into a Nearpod was exhausting. Plus, the sequence of our lessons and some of the skills kind of changed. There are certain things we just omitted this year due to a lack of time. So I mentioned that Our instructional time had increased. So at the beginning of the year, we did not have our full amount of instructional time. So we 
were spending less time on each of the subjects, which obviously meant we moved through things at a slower pace. And even up until this point, Wednesdays, we do not teach new material. We use it for reteaching and for interventions and things like that, but we do not teach new material on Wednesdays. So we're spending less time on the subject. So we have to omit certain things. For example, geometry this year in math, not, not happening whatsoever. Like they just cut it out. Um, and the sequence of lessons kind of changed based on what the students had for instruction in the spring. You know, we had to kind of adapt things. Um, so a lot of the projects and activities that we used to do as a fourth grade team or as the math teachers, we couldn't do anymore. So we had to try to brainstorm and figure out how we could adapt it. And this took a lot of time. And it was frustrating because if this year had been normal, my workload would have been a lot lighter, right? Like I would have already had my math lessons, my science lessons pretty much ready to go. Obviously, I make small adjustments year to year based on my group of students, based on how the lesson went last year, based on new ideas that I have. But I at least would have had that foundation, and I feel like this year I did not have that. Like I, I was at hamster running on the wheel as fast as I could. However, this does tie into one of my highlights. So I'm going to share more about that when we get to it. So Bridget, how about you start us off with a highlight from your year? First thing I have to say is that I'm very impressed that you are able to teach with slides and Nearpod. I know that you and I talked about this personally, but y'all, I, listen, when I had to go virtual the few times this year, I felt like, man, okay, I'm going to do what Michelle's doing. I'm going to do my slides. It's going to be great. Y'all, I am not a slides teacher at all. So I am so impressed at Michelle and her ability to make like fun and engaging lessons using slides and earpods. So kudos to you there. Um, Okay, so looking at a highlight, I have to say, with me teaching whole group this year, planning was very, very simple. Um, Because of the fact that I was not having to do small groups or I wasn't having to kind of make any of those additional lessons, I was really planning three lessons. I had my ELA lesson, my math lesson, my content lesson. And then I I I did my read aloud. And then that's really all I had to plan for. Now, granted, I had like little modifications for some of the kids that I had to like make changes for based on IEPs or different goals or, or, or those types of items there. But planning my everyday lessons was a piece of cake. I mean, it it did not feel like it was taking me that long at all. I was able to go through, get all my stuff scheduled out, and I really don't bring a ton of work home. So I was able to develop like that routine that just worked for my class and for me. And then we just stuck to it for the entire year. Um, I know it feels boring and I did try to kind of add some changes in there to to help build that engagement and just kind of take us off our routine a little bit so that we it felt fun for the kids. Um, But. I mean, we we found the thing that worked for us and we we did it. And so building out my lessons every single day was was simple. I was doing less t- less work at home. I was able to do less work on the weekends. Um and I was able to get all my planning done at school. So I was I I had the opportunity to spend more time with my family and on other passions in life. So that was like a bonus there. So that ties in really well with my first highlight as well. I was able to stick to working only contract hours throughout the year with the exception of a few occurrences, one of which being preparing for my honeymoon. I had to write six days of subplans. It's very difficult to be writing subplans and get six days worth done within contract hours. So I did have to work outside of my contract hours then. And when I was in Texas and got stuck, I had to spend a weekend when I got back lesson planning to kind of get ahead again. But other than that, I stuck to working only contract hours. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, wait a second, Michelle, you were just saying that you had to plan a lot more and you were frustrated by it. Yes, I was. However, when I realized I'm going to have to remake every lesson, I need a solution for that, right? Like I'm not Mm -hmm. sacrificing all of my personal time to make that happen. I'm sorry, but I'm not doing it. That's not part of my job description and it should not be an expectation. So my solution was I had to better figure out how to collaborate with my team teachers. And that's something that I had done a little bit in the past, but not to the 
full extent that I did it this year. We essentially divided up our lesson planning. Now, this year I have been teaching math, science, and social studies. So my morning group of students, I teach them math, science, social studies. My afternoon group, I teach them just math. So Obviously, the reading teachers would plan reading and then the math teachers would plan math. Now, within the math teachers, there are three of us. So we decided myself and one of the other teachers would plan the actual lessons. Now, I mentioned Wednesdays, we do not teach new lessons. So really, it was just four days worth. So I have been planning Monday and Tuesday's math lessons. My other team teacher will plan Thursday, Friday. The other math teacher would plan some additional like reteaching intervention type activities for a time the a time period that we have called academic flex, which mm-hmm. is basically like it's a flexible time to be used for what you need to right. use it for. So she would plan an activity for that. Then we split up science and social studies. So social studies was planned by the reading teachers and science was planned by the math teachers. So once again, we kind of divided it up. So I was planning science for Monday, Tuesday, and my team teacher was planning science for Thursday, Friday. So I was really only planning like two of the days per week. So even though we had to remake everything, because we divided up the responsibilities, there was less I had to do. And For the beginning of the year, we had more planning time than normal, Um, so it probably all balanced out. Even though we had more on our plate, we also were given more time to do it. I will say once hybrid started, that kind of changed, Um, but at that point, I had kind of gotten a good enough routine that I was able to adapt. Um, So I started using time after school to go through things in my classroom and kind of purge and clean out things and reorganize things. Stay tuned. More information on that is coming. Um, But I wouldn't get to school ahead of my contract hours, only like 10 to 15 minutes early. And that was so I could get to my classroom and sit and drink my protein coffee. And then when I would leave at the end of the day, I usually stay until five only because I then meet Billy at the gym and it's pointless to drive home. Literally, I would drive home and immediately have to leave and go back to the gym. So that would waste my time. So during that last hour of the day, I would go through stuff in my classroom. So I feel like this really kept me sane and helped me from getting burnt out throughout the year. Yeah. No, I, I think that was a great way for you to work collaboratively with your um, with your team. And I hope that a lot of people have been able to experience that this year because this is a great year to kind of push you to working more collaboratively and sharing some of some of the resources there so that it does help t- to minimize the stress. Okay, so for my second highlight, I am going to talk about behavior management. <laughs> it was it was simple. Now, I do have to say, I have an amazing class. Like, I mean, a really good group of kiddos. I had these kiddos last year because they were on our Mac team and they really knew the expectations already coming in. So that was a bonus. But at the same time, I felt as though because we were sitting in rows of desks and not having, not being able to move, our cohort was the only cohort that was outside during recess the amount of behavior issues that I felt like I would normally have to deal with either, you know, from having a mixed kids at lunch or at at recess, it was cut down. Um, And I really didn't have to deal with a ton of those behavior issues. Um, I think the biggest issues that I had all year long were going to be making sure that kids put their masks over their nose because they would like to kind of have it like hanging down below their nose um, when they turned in their work. So not getting work done. And then occasionally we would get some chattiness. I am experiencing more of the chattiness at this point in the year, but still they are an amazing class and I truly don't have as many behavior issues. And it was interesting because I even spoke with my assistant superintendent and I think, or superintendent, my assistant principal, like probably around, I want to say like November and then again in like February. And I was like, how is it going with behavior issues like in the school? And he even said the same thing. He goes, normally I would have so many more behavior issues. He goes, I don't. Like I, I'm not experiencing it because kids are not moving, they're not mixing with other with other classes, and so the amount of behavior problems that we're having is a lot less. So 
I was very fortunate to have these kiddos again this year, and I'm very, very, very thankful for them. Um, and it's going to be sad to see them leave next year. Hopefully we will have a little bit more normal Mac team, so I will still get to experience them, but um, it will definitely be different. Yeah, it's interesting when you brought up the whole lack of behavior problems in my reflection. I was like, oh, yeah, like we've kind of had the same thing that really hasn't been an issue. And honestly, I've loved seeing my in-person students on Monday and Tuesday and also Thursday, Friday, like their time in the middle of the day. We have this midday break and they get to just kind of like Mm -hmm. chat and hang out and and seeing them all kind of like get along is very, very sweet because it's not always, you know, like that. Um, No, (laughs) it's not. So my second highlight is more of a like personal growth victory situation. I feel as though I have become a lot more of a flexible teacher and I've learned how to let go of things and focusing on what really matters. And that's something that has always been kind of difficult for me. I'm not a go with the flow person. Again, I like my routine. I like to know what to expect, but obviously This year, I was forced to be flexible because I had to go with the flow when the schedule would change, you know, on a weekly basis and when student changes were occurring. And um, I learned like what actually matters in those situations and what doesn't. So for an example, we had to create these like schedule information book card things. I basically made mine as a series of cards that I had on a ring for our midday monitors. So during the middle of the day when my students have lunch and recess, that is my planning time and my lunch. So I am not in the room with my students. I have a TA that comes to my room and stays with them during that time. So I had to create these like schedule cards for her so she knew like what the schedule was, who the students were, where she needed to go for recess, like what the routines were. And when our schedule changed like three or four times after I had already printed my card, I was like, you know what? I'm not I'm not reprinting it. I'm not relaminating it. Like I'm just going to stick a sticky note on it and be like, here's what's different. Go with it. And so for me, like that's a big victory. I know it sounds really lame, but I'm that teacher before that would have reprinted it and relaminated it four or five times so it could look perfect. Um, So I really realized things did not have to be perfect. And when it came to like the lessons, I would make them into a Nearpod, but I wasn't focused on like every little element being perfect. You know what I mean? Um, I also started taking sub days and not feeling guilty, which that is a huge victory for me. I've always been someone that hated taking sub days. I would feel really guilty about it. I would feel bad that I wasn't there with my students and I would worry. And I've gotten over that. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm given this time and I'm allowed to use it and I shouldn't feel bad about it. Um, So I've just kind of asked myself like, okay, am I being present for my students? Am I having conversations with them? Am I hearing their thoughts about things? Am I giving them space to share? Am I supporting them individually as much as I can? Am I challenging them? As long as the answer is yes to all of those questions, the rest of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if my schedule card is perfect. It doesn't matter if I'm there every single day of the week. Like if I need to take a day off, I can take a day off and it's okay. Yeah. So we have now gone through two challenges of many, (laughs) two highlights also of many. So now let's each share like our biggest single takeaway from the year. No pressure, Bridget go. (laughs) No pressure at all. I think while this year was not the year that I had imagined, and I think all of us have felt this way, right? It was a really great year for what it was. Um, During the few times when we did have to go remote, I did not like teaching virtually. I'm going to be very honest. It is not my jam. (laughs) Um, I love to hear my kids laugh. I love to hear them chat about their weekends and teach a lesson that kind of gets them excited. I love kind of being able to like walk around. It's like my moment to like be an actress, but I'm really not. Um, I think overall is my biggest takeaway is just not to be so quick to judge. Um, I learned that I am more resilient than I think that I am and that I really can adjust and face various challenges. So I realized that I am a person that um, likes to collaborate um, and I am able to really just appreciate that more than ever. Um, So like the saying goes, um, you don't realize what you have until it's gone. And this year was a time for me to fall back in love with being a teacher and just really appreciating what I had the year prior. 
That was deep. So my, that was deep. (laughs) My (laughs) biggest takeaway is something I think I've been learning over the past few years, but it hit me really hard this year. The fact that I am a person first and a teacher second, or sometimes third or fourth. Um, A lot of what was making me happy this year had nothing to do with teaching. And I think that's okay to admit. And it's not something that I should feel bad about. A lot of what made me happy this year was powerlifting and getting married and taking some next steps in life, which more information is coming on that. Um, But teaching for the longest time felt like my only identity. And it was the only thing that I felt proud of. And it was the only thing that really occupied my time. But now it's just one aspect of who I am as a person. And I am multidimensional and I'm not just a teacher. I'm a teacher. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. I'm a business owner. I'm, you know, an athlete. I'm all these different things. And, you know, when someone asks you, like, who are you? How do you respond? Because what you say to that question really tells a lot about what you value in your life. So if someone says, well, who are you? And you're like, oh, well, I'm a teacher then you may be putting a lot of emphasis on just that work aspect of your life um, and just kind of reflect on that. And maybe you need to refocus on the other things that make you you because teaching is just one part of who you are. And, you know, now if someone asks me who I am, it's like, well, I'm someone that wants to leave the world a better place than when I came into it. And for me, that's through helping other teachers, through helping my students, through the relationships that I form with people. And I don't know that I don't I don't know where to take this now like that. I think that was a lot of word vomit. um, Well, but (laughs) I definitely think that that was a lot of word vomit, but I think it's good. I think it's a a really great way to kind of end this extremely long episode that we have recorded for everyone. (laughs) Uh, But we do hope that you guys enjoyed hearing our reflection from the 2020 to 2021 school year. We had a lot to say in this episode um, because a lot really went down and I think we learned a lot of lessons. And so we wanted to share that with all of you. Um, So what we would love for you to do is to check out our website, teachingonthedouble.com and submit your TSH. We want to know what is your time sucking hurdle and you can be featured right here on our podcast. So go and submit that today. And also don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified every time we drop a new episode, which is on Thursdays. Guys, you won't want to miss next week. I'm just going to say it. You need to make sure that you are subscribed. Also, be sure to leave us our little review on iTunes. We really, really enjoy hearing your thoughts on our podcast. And every time that you give us a rating and you share a review, it helps us to be able to reach the ears of so many other teachers out there. So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.